Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Power of Me Too podcast. I'm Theo Fleury, and today on the program, we have a very special guest, Miss Amber Craig from the Breaking Free Foundation. Good morning, Amber. Good morning. How's it going today? Really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, because this is the first ever podcast, and uh, the podcast is called, uh, you know, The Power of Me Too, can you maybe share with us, uh, you know, your experience with, you know, this power of Me Too, and, and uh, you know, how, how it sort of jump-started, you know, this, this new life that you have? tell the listeners, you know, sort of where you were at before this, you know, event took place? Like what, what, what were some of the things that you were struggling with? What were, you know, where were you at, you know, at that point in your life? Well, I think I just, I didn't really have any kind of identity of what sexual abuse was because the, the way that it was explained to me growing up was that it was you know, stranger danger, and, you know, it's the creepy guy in the van down the street, and so I didn't really have the kind of tools to identify that that even happened to me. So, I mean, literally up until my 20s, I had every kind of vice you could imagine, and had a lot of dangerous habits, and bad lifestyles, and went through major depression, and suicide, and um, then actually when I read Playing With Fire, I started kind of feeling like a lot of the things that you were describing in your book were 
similar to what I was sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into it more yep. and uh, got in touch with a great therapist who literally had to explain to me in black and white on paper, like, you were abused. And that was hugely helpful for me because I didn't, I didn't have a name for it before. And I, didn't, I thought I was just weird. Right, of course. But, but this person was somebody that you knew as well, right? Well, yeah, it was my cousin. Okay. And it went on for 10 years, essentially. Mm-hmm. And because it was a family member and I was so young, like I, I, didn't, I didn't know that it wasn't normal. Right. It was literally the only thing that I knew. And because I didn't fit into the box that society kind of said a sexual abuse victim would fit into, like it was a female, it was my relative, yeah. Um, it, it wasn't what was explained to me. Right, of course. Now, so, you know, after this sort of ground-shattering moment in your life, you know, what has happened, you know, since you said, me too? Well, the first thing that happened was I wrote the blog and then I, I decided to be bold and continue the adrenaline rush and I went on Facebook and kind of proclaimed to the world that I was a child sexual abuse survivor and a victor and uh, was really prepared to deal with a lot of backlash from that and uh, it was just the opposite. I got several, several emails that day from people who either wanted to say me too as well or were just congratulating me um, for what I had done and since then, the door, like my whole life has done a 180. I'm constantly pinching myself that I'm even the same person because it's totally different. Like because of that, we started the Bridges Free Foundation, which has been an incredible journey mm-hmm. to be on the other side of things and, and get to send that message out because it was a truly life-changing thing for me. But I think what we see time and time again is that those two simple words can be extremely freeing and healing for people. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's no question um, that, um, you know, the importance of, you know, finding that safe place where you can, you know, talk about this stuff is, you know, essentially what the Breaking Free Foundation uh, is all about. And, and uh, you know, I'll never forget that day at Starbucks when we first met and, uh, you know, about an hour into the conversation, we all three looked at each other and we're like, uh, uh, we're all wearing elephants. And, you know, um, and then you left that conversation and started to do some research about, you know, what the elephant means. So maybe can you share with the listeners you know, what, what the significance of the elephant and why the elephant has become the symbol for the Breaking Free Foundation? Yeah, well, I think it was a bit too odd to ignore the synchronicity of that because I think we all agree that was the only thing we owned that had an elephant on it. So that in itself, I think, was some kind of a, a symbol or whatever you want to call it. But um, the, the elephant essentially is a symbol of strength and courage. Um and they, they travel in packs of seven, usually, from the research that I found. And at the time, there were seven of us that had come together to start the Breaking Free Foundation. Right. And then naturally, we wanted to incorporate orange, um, because orange is 
theme of the Victor Walk as well. Right. That's very cool. Um, so, what 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 does the Breaking Free Foundation do? Uh, and uh, you know, where are they? Where's the foundation at right now? And you know, what what can we look forward to from the Breaking Free Foundation in the future? for people you know and uh, you know we've had people from all walks of life uh, come to us and and uh, you know share their trauma experiences and and uh, can you maybe explain to you know the people out there that you know trauma isn't only defined to sexual abuse trauma comes in all different shape sizes and forms so maybe you could explain to people you know what trauma looks like yeah i think it's a common misconception because we bundle trauma and ptsd together and ptsd seems to only be attached to um, people that have gone through war which obviously that is a traumatic experience but you can experience anything that can give you a traumatic effect um trauma can be anything from death of a loved one, divorce of parents, um, maybe 
list goes on and on and on. I mean, I was even reading some studies the other day about um, women who have gone through miscarriage are, are more, more and more often um, showing signs of PTSD. And it doesn't even have to happen directly to you. You can have vicarious trauma and also symptoms of PTSD just from witnessing something or dealing with someone telling you about it. And that's why frontline responders are at risk, therapists are at risk, doctors are at risk. So would you say that, you know, that trauma, mental health, and addictions are all in the same kind of class and same kind of category? And do they, do they, you know, because what we've learned is that, you know, the way that society, the media, whatever, portray trauma is that trauma is separate from mental health and mental health is separate from addictions. But what we've learned is that, you know, all three are sort of part and parcel of, you know, that trauma experience that, that we have in childhood. And that sort of, you know, sends us on that path of, of, um, you know, a lot of pain and suffering and, and mental health issues and addictions and, and, and all that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm yet to find anybody who has a mental health problem or an addiction problem that didn't have some kind of trauma. Like, mental health and addictions are the side effects of a trauma. That trauma can be anything, but it all stems from somewhere. And even if learning about that for myself has been incredibly helpful because I had always put those things in different boxes in my life. Right. And not being able to find the connection is why I was stuck in a place of not being able to heal. Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to deal with different things. At the end of the day, it was all because of my childhood trauma. That's why I developed depression. That's why I developed addiction problems. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to have a better understanding of like dial it back, go to the root of it. It started from something. It manifested itself into maybe depression and anxiety or, you know, drug addiction or alcohol addiction, whatever that looks like. But that started from somewhere. You didn't just develop it one day. Right. Right. Now, now when you first started to share, you know, with your friends and, and family and stuff, how, how blown away were you with the reaction of your friends saying me too to you as well? Yeah, I mean, it was more people than I expected. But now in having been working in this now for a few years, I understand that it's extremely common. But at the time when I first started telling people, I didn't understand that anybody else could have had the same experience as me. And as obscure as I thought that my experience was, it really wasn't. There's always somebody who tells the same story that you have. Yeah. And even to this day, I'll get at least three disclosures a week, just personally, never mind the people that are disclosing via Breaking Free Foundation or, or the Victor Walk um, networks or things like that. So it was definitely, I mean, it's, you don't want people 
people to have gone through something like that because it is sad, but at the same time, there's some, some kind of a bond that people who have gone through trauma can share and understand each other. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have, you know, that sense of security and safety with someone who who is supporting you but also understands you. Yeah. yeah but there's been, I mean, just crazy numbers of people that have come forward and, and revealed something. And, and still, they're still confused about what trauma is because I'll get asked, last week someone asked me, like, what about a car accident? Does that count as trauma? Like, well, yeah, you go to the trauma unit. It's yeah. right in the name. Like, it's, yeah. that's going to have an effect on you for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, how have you handled, you know, all of these stories? Do, do the stories affect you or, you know, uh, you know how, how does it make you feel you know, knowing that now you're this person that people are maybe seeking out or, you know, you're that person that they're, you know, disclosing to. How, how, how is hearing these stories, how, how, how does that affect you? I think initially when I started getting them, it was a relief that I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. such word as healed there's only healing and so you know this is an ongoing process for the rest of our life and you know the process is taking bad cope or the uh, the destructive coping mechanisms that we used to have in our toolbox and replace them with you know with with other tools so what would you say is you know the best tool that you have in your toolbox right now that you probably use the most? Um, 
that I constantly cycle through, but um, I found early on for me that, that writing was really helpful, and I'm lucky enough that I like to write, um, but I literally keep a notebook on me at all times. And if I get a trigger or, or a flashback or whatever it might look like, I write it down, and it doesn't even have to make sense. I just put down whatever's in my head, because mm-hmm. um, it gets it out of my head, yeah. and it puts it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a real processor. I need to kind of process things and understand things before I can get past them. So I guess I'm a little bit analytical that way. I, I often will go back and read what I wrote and kind of digest it and understand what it means. Mm-hmm. But that's been probably the most common thing that I would use day to day. Right. Now, you know, the importance of, you know, conversation. Uh, you know, there, there are so many stigmas attached to trauma, mental health, and addictions. And, you know, so I want to get your thoughts and your opinions on, uh, you know, how debilitating stigma is, you know, for people who, you know, are constantly struggling with, you know, day-to-day living and uh, the, the inability to be able to turn your mind off you know, how important is conversation and how can conversation help us get rid of stigma? Yeah, I mean, I think we've come a long way in a short period of time, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I mean, I think when the first Victor Walk was happening, it was mind-blowing at that time that anybody would go on social media and say, I was sexually abused as a child. That wasn't being done before, and I think... What it proved was that once somebody did it, everybody wanted to do it, and and it was beneficial in breaking down those barriers. But we have so many barriers to this day. Like certain words make people really uncomfortable, and and when people show their discomfort, it makes me feel shamed, right. and that puts me in a stalled position. Like even now, I, I have no issue talking about anything that I've gone through. It helps me, I find, and I don't have any shame attached to my trauma stories anymore, but other people shame me constantly with how they react to words like sex, for example. Mm-hmm. It's just like immediate head to the floor or there's just some kind of judgment attached to it. Um, and, this is, and this is a non-verbal reaction, right? Yeah, they're not saying gross or whatever, but I mean, it's pretty obvious written all over their faces or they won't make eye contact with you and and um, you know even I mean recently in the last I would say year and a half I, I started working in therapy um, about sex addiction that I realized that I've obviously been struggling with for most of my life and it's impossible to find any any places in Calgary at least that are not all inclusive of people that are dealing with this right it's you know this is for men only mm. and I'm like how is somebody working in this field still trying to put me in a box? Right, right, right. Like, how can this be a men's only issue? It's just an issue that that people have. And, I mean, the media is just can be a real tool for success and a, 
a real tool for triggers, I find, when, you know, if we try to cover things up or use certain words that will make something seem less than what it is or more than what it is, it's, it's very damaging to someone who's been through something and it also doesn't help us move forward the conversation. Yeah. When, when we're constantly trying to talk about things and make other people feel comfortable talking about it uh-huh. and, you know, if things are being swept under a rug or, or whatever you want to call it, it's, uh, it's damaging to the process. Well, and, and do you think that there's, you know, more shame attached to people who have sexual addiction than, than any other thing that's out there? I mean, it's just my opinion, but I feel like there is. I feel like if I said, oh, the drug addict, everyone would accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would just, they would be like, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. Yeah. Like, what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. And, and if I say I'm a sex addict, it, it's immediate, there's nothing, nothing follows Right. And, and why do you think that we have such a huge problem, you know, with that three letter word that, that, uh, you know, that is something natural because we are mammals, we are animals, you know, at the core of who we are, of who our DNA is, is that, you know, sex is a part of, you know, being a human being. People have been being raped since the beginning of time, you right. know, and and so here we are in you know 2016, you know, just sort of opening that Pandora's box where we're giving per- people permission, you know, to talk about these things, you know, and and I remember when all of the Ashley Madison stuff came out. And how many people were so outraged uh, by people who use this website. And, you know, I automatically, you know, went right to, you know, this is a trauma response to, you know, something that happened to us as kids, right? Because, you know, the reason why Ashley Madison is so successful is because it is a trauma response and we know the stats around people who've experienced trauma and so you know people were a bit taken back that you know that we used you know those we 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 traced it back to childhood trauma or uh you know a, a childhood traumatic experience and and really at the end of the day it's no different than you know being a drug addict or an alcoholic or a workaholic or you know whatever it is you know we need something 
to deal with the emotional pain and suffering that's left behind from our childhood experience. And so because sex has so much incredible brain chemistry attached to it, you know, uh, that's why we, we, we go there because it's a way of us dealing with, uh, you know, that emotional pain and suffering that's left behind. Yeah. And I think, I mean, at least for myself, like connecting those things together was probably the most powerful thing I could have done to, to move forward from it because I don't struggle with it anymore because I now understand where it came from. And, right. and it wasn't until Kim Barcel was doing that personal workshop day with us yeah. and she literally like explained brain chemistry to me from someone who was sexually abused as a child and I was just like light bulb moment. Wow, yeah. this all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but because You know, it, being around the subject and, and uh, you know, having the opportunity to, you know, to be a voice for this, you know, for this subject, it is amazing, uh, you know, how much we've all learned being a part of the, you know, the Breaking Free Foundation and, you know, trying to find sort of an easier, softer way of dealing with, you know, our own personal stuff. And then, you know, the stuff that, that, that people bring, you know, to us is, you know, it's just been incredible. And, uh, so, um, you know, so where, where would you like to go from here? Where, where are you at in your, your personal recovery and you know before you answer I just want to say that uh, you know and I say this all the time that I am in awe of people's courage and people's strength and and uh, you know I appreciate your your honesty and and your courage and and uh, you know uh, having this conversation with you today which I think is is important I think it's should be part of our everyday conversations that we have and and uh um so yeah so where where does amber craig want to go from today what do you what what, what gets you excited what gets you out of bed what you know what uh you know what does the future hold now that you've sort of come out on the other side and and you've you've been inspired. You've been empowered. You know what? what yeah, we... I think. Well, I think just everything that I'm passionate about now is revolves around you know telling stories and helping people and expanding these conversations. And and for me, like I'm, personally, I'm, I'm trying to finish writing my own book, and and I'm super excited about um, opportunities to speak to people in communities about about some of these issues and breaking down the barriers. Like, I'm constantly just wanting more people to learn. And even in my own circle of friends and my own family, you know, 
know, every time somebody learns something, it gets easier for me too because now I can have that conversation one step further and we can actually go somewhere with it and not just one-sided me telling my story. I want I want to hear what other people have to say. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting for me to be part of Breaking Free Foundation because we have these opportunities and we can create these opportunities for, you know, helping people understand because helping people understand is what's going to make everybody else's lives easier. There's still a lot of work to be done, but we have the opportunity to do it now. So that's that's really the main focus of everything that I do is, is trying to find a way to help people understand and learn. Mm. So, so when you're not helping people, you know, what... Mm-hmm. What do you do? What, what What's your business and, and uh, what's the name of your company and, and what do you guys do there? Um, I work in marketing mostly throughout the day. Um, Bamboo Creative Inc. Is, is my company. Um, so that's, that's exciting too because I get to, because I work in social media, it's, I get to learn about a lot of different things all day, which is very exciting. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going into year six right now, which is crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and how how has you know sort of getting rid of your secret? How 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 has that helped your your business? Well, I think I just I'm just a, a pretty open and honest person, and personally and professionally, and and um, I thought that might freak some people out because I can't differentiate between me as a person and me as a business person because I'm one person mm-hmm. so I wear both hats so I mean you kind of have to um, understand me a little to want to work with me but honestly it's, it's proven to be a, a big skill for me because I can have better relationships with with clients um, because I'm not afraid to really to talk about anything whether it's business or otherwise but um, yeah, coming out of book stuff has, has opened up new doors, um, that I don't think I would have ever found, um, certainly on the, the nonprofit side, but, but even professionally, I mean, I've got to do some pretty cool jobs that I don't think would have, uh, come my way had I not, um, had a connection to this other cause. Right, right. So... Can you maybe explain to us a little bit about Movember and how you got involved and and uh, you know why you're passionate about that as well? Yeah, I, I got involved seven years ago, and honestly, at that time, I just got involved because I thought mustaches were funny, and I thought it was a unique way to um, get involved in men's health because I was previously only involved in women's health. So I signed up to help them with the the online marketing in Calgary, and uh, over the years, the programs and the funding and the messaging has evolved and changed from prostate cancer and testicular cancer to mental health and suicide prevention. So once once those things came into the mix, it became um, more of a personal attachment for me because I could relate to that kind of stuff. Um, I'm never going to develop prostate cancer, but I'm a suicide survivor, so I can you know, comfortably have those conversations with men and, and um, try to open the door. Again, common theme, just creating conversation. Yeah, that's cool. 
So where can we find you? Where, where can we follow you? Where can we read your blogs? Where can we, you know, stay, stay connected to you? for being part of the my first ever podcast and uh you know we uh we look forward to having some some more incredible guests and and uh you know like i said amber uh uh we're very uh, appreciative of you being on the podcast today but not only that uh being uh, a role model and somebody that uh you know women can look up to and and uh it's been amazing getting to know you and, and, uh, you know, you talked about how we met and, uh, you know, you wrote that incredible blog after your experience with the Victor walk and, and, uh, you know, I was inspired by, by your words and I was inspired by reading about your experience and, and essentially you were the reason why, you know, we, we started the Victor walk in the first place and, uh, you know, at the end of this month, we're, we're really excited about, uh, you know, the Victor Walk documentary that's coming out and uh, what an amazing tool that's going to be for the Breaking Free Foundation. And, and uh, so, yeah, we, we look forward to that and we look forward to uh, all the things that uh, are happening at the, at the Breaking Free Foundation. Um, the Victor Walk this year is in Saskatchewan. Uh, we're making five stops uh, um, this year in Saskatchewan, and uh, so we're really looking forward to that. And maybe before we we end, maybe can you tell the people about your experience? You know, being on two of the last three Victor walks that we've had. available in that way we wouldn't be able to have these you know amazing experiences that we've you know that we've all shared together that's for that's for sure and and uh you know the 
the conversation uh, is changing the the comfortability of speaking about this stuff is changing and and uh, you know to you know to have fellow uh, survivors and victors uh, like yourself uh, on board uh, is only going to make this uh, better and easier and and uh, and whatnot so again Thank you so much for the time and the opportunity to speak to you. And uh, again, we we look forward to working with you in the future. And uh, I would love to have you on again as a guest. Well, thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Power of Me Too podcast. I'm Theo Fleury. And uh, yeah, what a great conversation. And we'll... we'll See you soon. Take care. Bye. So let's let it all slip by.